Hallelujah. Someone handed this to me right behind me. <laughs> and it says, and, it, and it's funny because uh, someone else had a little discussion with me this morning about that. It said, a pastor that cares about you, where you will spend eternity, will preach not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. <laughs> that person was telling me, you know, sometimes it's just a little tough. It's tougher, and that's why people don't want to come and hear it. But, but see, it's what will save you. But she says, I know now that it saved my family. It saved me. It saved. It's not what you want to hear, but it is the word. Every bit of it's in the word. <laughs> so, hallelujah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here, would you give that to me? And I, I just want to say something about this young man here. <laughs> you know, the devil tried to destroy him when he was born, and I was, I was right there when I saw it because the cord was wrapped around his neck, and um, it needn't have been. But I'll tell you what. His, his mama has done such a good job. <laughs> he, I saw him going, uh, all of a sudden I saw it to the side when we were singing, he was going, hallelujah. He was just giving it everything he could. He loves the Lord. He loves the Lord. And because of that, you, you know what, because these type of children also that sometimes the enemy will try to get in. He's 21 years old and uh, will try to come in, you know, do with different things uh, that are, they, he will, they, I, I know that for a fact. <laughs> and um, uh, she's done a good job with him <laughs> and loved him and, uh, and yeah. <laughs> I, I just wanted to say that because she's taught him to love the Lord with all his heart and soul. And he really, really does. You should see he has different handicapped teachers and, and he invites them to church all the time. <laughs> uh, uh -huh. Oh, that little boy yeah. mm -hmm. in Nebraska? Yep, see? Yeah, he remembers being with Jesus. And see, we were all little spirits up in heaven before we came down. So, you know. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. 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 But it just almost made me cry because I saw how, how he was putting everything into it. Well, you can be seated. Okay. Hey, say hi to somebody next to you, too. Just, just a second, too. A couple of people. Don't, don't get out of your seat and do it, but. Okay, because we need to go. Yes. Amen. You're so nice. Okay. So, amen. So, Father, I thank you that you're going to open up the eyes of the understanding of each person here. And you're going to flood their hearts with light. That they truly might know the hope to which they have been called. And how glorious is the inheritance of the saints. Hallelujah. Please honor God, though. <laughs> when we pray, we should honor God. Anyway, so if you don't practice the presence of the Lord, you probably won't have the presence of the Lord in your life. And see, the presence of the Lord, what it really denotes is a hunger for God. It, it explains we have something to do. We have something to do to get God in our midst. And when, when you're in his midst or vice versa, he's in your midst, you have to know how to behave. What to say, what not to say, and it's just like any other real being. See, if it was, well, I hate to say that. The, I was going to say the president of the United States, but <laughs> no. But I mean, we should honor. It's the office you honor. <laughs> it's the office you honor. <laughs> but see, God, God is a real live person. He's not a faraway being. He's not in an untouchable zone. And God wants to fellowship with us because that's how he got the kingdom of God down to the earth. And see, before I was born again, I didn't, I didn't know none of that stuff. It was We go to church all the time. But it was the kingdom of God is in us when we receive Jesus. It's in us. That's the kingdom of heaven. We can have everything heaven enjoys. But, but you see, that's how he got it down into the earth. And that was the trick he did with the devil. He said, I'm going to do it in a way that he doesn't understand. I'm going to put my kingdom in him. I'm going to put the Garden of Eden. Do you realize that when you get born again, that that's you, the kingdom of God is in you. And you're walking around, even when you goof up, even if you're doing bad things, he's still in there and he's watching. <laughs> if you're truly born again, so, you know, and I, well, okay, so he's, he's, he's real. And he, God wants to fellowship with us. He has feelings, he has intellect, God has intellect, he has a livelihood. He has whatness. You know what? He, he cries and, he's, and laughs. He has fragrance. He has beings and he, being and he has a voice. I need a Kleenex. 
It's, there's one laying right there. Whatever. <laughs> they put it on top of the water so it doesn't. That, thank you. I appreciate all that. Okay. Now, he has his voice. Now, that's the one thing. Now, we've all heard of this. He's three things. He's the word omni, omni, O-M-N-I, means all-powerful. Okay. He's omnipotent. Now, you think, well, I don't know what that word means. Think what the end of it says. It's potent. He's all-powerful potent. <laughs> Omnipotent. He's omniscience. Think of the end of the word. It says science. That means you have know a lot. He's all-knowing. And he's omnipresent. Think of the end of the word. It's present. So see, he's potent. He's full of, full of knowledge, science, and present. He's present everywhere. He's right here. Yeah. <laughs> he's right here, right here, right here, right here. But he's also in here. <laughs> See, and he, wa he wants to fellowship with you. And not, not just in church. It, it's not just, it's all the time when you're walking, when you're working, when you're sleeping even, when you're talking. There's, there's something we can do to invite the presence of God in our midst. And I mean, I know it because one time I, when we had that school, and I can remember teaching algebra and at the same time talking to God in between as the student was doing it. Because it's just a constant, you know, you run to the restroom at your work and you go, God, I love you. I praise you. Thank you that you're with me. Thank you that you're helping me. It's, it's so real. And I thought when I got born again, because it had been so many years of not knowing what this was, I thought everybody was like that. <laughs> but you can talk to him and he can talk to you. Okay, put up Psalm 42, 1 through 4. This was, David wrote this. But you got it up there already. Oops. Okay. As now a heart here is a deer. As the deer pants after the water brook, so pants my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continue to say to me, where is your God? <laughs> when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I've gone with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept the holy day. So, see, as the deer pants for the water brook. Okay, that was written by David. Now, David had a heart of consecration. And I know that you guys are saying a prayer. There's a prayer when I was leading prayer and 
You guys are still doing it. You consecrate yourself to God. Okay, without consecration, you cannot fellowship, visit, or see God. Without sanctification, you cannot fellowship, visit, or see God. Um, so it's impossible for God to fellowship with, with your old human nature. And that's what's changed as soon as you're born again. Or he, he can't even, God can't even look on sin. It's impossible for, to you, for you to look at God and live. Because no man in the natural has seen the Lord. They've seen Jesus. So don't get that mixed up. But, so, but God, Je Jehovah in the flesh down here, they've not seen. Okay, so we fellowship with him, with his spirit, you see. With the word, with his presence. See, it, it's kind of like uh, when somebody leaves the smell of perfume on a... a on a cloth, or maybe they had so much people, they just whizzed by you. You could still smell it in the room, or it's kind of that 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 type of thing. Or it could be on the phone. It could be on people's clothes. See, if if he was to walk through here, he would leave essence in the air, parts of him. And when when you go into a place where people are worshiping and fellowshipping. And there's healing going on, and his essence or fragrance is still there. His presence is still there. And God is discernible when he's in, in, the, in the midst of you. Okay, so see, God wants to live and reside in you. And if you're born again, he lives in you. You can't get rid of him <laughs> unless you totally, totally. <laughs> see, he wants to walk with you. And he said, if you'll be my people, I'll be your God. So out, out, outside of us, God cannot, out, now think of this, outside of us, God cannot live in the earth. Hey, I'll give you another one. Outside of us, the devil can't live in the earth either. The devil can't. He's got to have a body. And so does God because both of them are spirits. See, also in him, it says in the Bible, I love this and I keep saying it every day. In him, I, in him, in you I live, God, and you I move, and you I have my being. See, he wants us to be like Jesus in him, the way Jesus was. Okay, so they were inseparable. Jesus and God were inseparable. And... um. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's in John 14, 9. So, now, consecration. Man is what man separating himself to God so you can fellowship with him in the beauty of holiness. Now, holiness and, okay, I, now this I need to explain. You have to consecrate yourself let me put it this way first. There's a God part and there's a you part. God has to do something. He doesn't do it all. You have to do something. The holiness, it's man doing his part. You got to make yourself 
holy because you have a free will from God. Now, righteousness, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus when you get born again. He exchanged, that means he exchanged his sins, your sins for his righteousness. He took your, all your sins on. And he said, here, here's my righteousness. That was God's part. Now you have to live a holy life because you got a free will. So righteousness is God doing his part. So God made you in a place, in a style, in a quality. He made or, or worthiness so he could even be around you, and it was called righteousness. He did that. Now then there's sanctification and consecration. Okay, consecration is you. That's your part. Sanctification was God's part. He set, sanctification means he set you apart. See, now in all things with faith, there's a God part and there's a you part. That's why you don't get any results because you don't know what to do, baby. See, that, that's why I wanted, I wanted to study out and see, what, I mean, what, what is this? What is this whole thing and how can we acquire the whole thing? So see, the only way you can uh, fellowship with God is because he sanctified you when you got born again. He set you apart. And it says that in uh, John 17, 17. Maybe we, we should uh, put that one up. Yeah. But see, holiness is when you respond. Well, let's read the first verse. Okay. Okay, John 17, 17. Now, no, John 17, 17. So we got it. Sanctify them, purify, consecrate, separate them for yourself. Now you do the consecration, though. That's why I was going to say sometimes the amplified's a little off. God did not consecrate us. We have to consecrate ourselves. I noticed that when I looked it up. I should have said something. Okay, separate them for yourself. Make them holy by the. How do we get that way? It says, by the truth. Your word is truth. Now, I want to tell you, this is truth. Even when the doctor tells you something, this is truth. And that's the only way you can fellowship with them, is to sanctify yourself. <laughs> he sanctifies, I mean, I said that wrong. He sanctifies you, but you have to live a holy life. Holiness is when you respond to that and say, I'm going to live upright in heart. And you do everything you know biblically to walk with Almighty God. 
Now, there's two extreme, uh, uh, really, Bible doctrines that are going around right now. And they're still going around. And one is that man does it all (laughs) and that God does it all. Yeah, Yeah, and I know you've all heard God is sovereign. He is sovereign according to this word. And because when you say he's sovereign, then you're saying he causes all the car accidents. He causes all the the terrible things, the cancer and the, and all the sickness and disease. He doesn't do that. Yeah. He, yeah. And you know what? There actually is born-again, spirit-filled people preaching. They still are a little bit. They're starting to come out of it, but it was called greasy grace. That everything, God did, did everything, just take it. Just receive it. You got to be careful of that because, oh, I can do anything I want and God will answer me. No. See, we open the door to the enemy. And that's why God, no. See, anyway. Okay, James 4, 8 says, and you don't have to put it up there. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. See, I know, see, some of that stuff's harsh, but that's in the Bible. I'm just reading God's word. You're double-minded when you say, oh, God, I love you, and then you go out and do something. See, God gave his son to die for us, and his part now is that he made you righteous, but your part is that you should live holy. In fact, it says, be holy as I am holy. He's telling you to do it. So holiness is man's part to live without sin and to do what the Bible says. And righteousness is an act of God to cleanse us. Okay, so, so he can stand to be around us. <laughs> okay, holiness and consecration, now remember this, is your part. They belong to man. Righteousness and sanctification belong to God. He did them for you. So you would be presentable in his sight. Now, you know what? Sometimes you think, well, then when I goofed up, God sees us through the blood of Jesus, though. God the Father sees us through the blood of Jesus. And in the middle, there's a mercy seat full of the blood of Jesus, and it's alive. That blood is alive. Blood stinks when it's not alive. <laughs> I've smelled blood in emergency rooms because I used to be a nurse, and it's, it's, it's horrible. It'll make you gag, but God's his is fresh, and it's alive. So there's not anything you can do more to be righteous or sanctified. But you draw near to God, you close to God, and the way you do that and the way you have to know the way to do that and the way not to do it. Okay, and the way you, it's the way you would approach the president or a judge. I mean, look how particular they are in a courtroom. Everybody stand, the judge. He might even be a judge who had just been paid off. 
Yet, we don't, we have to treat God more so. See, God is a real live being. He's high ranking and he's of the utmost importance. And so, see, his, his presence, and there's, there's things you, in his presence, there's things you do not say. So holiness is talking about attitude and a mindset and a mouth and a lifestyle. So let's go to 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 7. Trouble is, you know, when you walk out, it's, you miss out on some of it. You miss out some of the most important things because the enemy likes to do that to you. Okay, first Thessalonians 4, 1 through 7. Um, let's go into the Amplified. Consecration. I, I just get so vehement about this stuff because I know what it did for me. It's okay. Furthermore, brethren, we beg and admonish you in virtue of our union with the Lord. Admonishing means we correct you. That you follow the instructions which you learned from us about how you ought to walk so as to please and gratify God as indeed you are doing and that you do so even more and more abundantly, attaining yet greater perfection in living this life. Keep going. For you know what charges and precepts we gave you on the authority and by the inspiration of the Lord Jesus. They told them what they should do. The apostles told the people what to do. Okay, next verse. For this is the will of God, that you should be consecrated, separated and set apart for pure and holy living, that you should abstain and shrink from all sexual vice. That's the word of God. Verse 4, that each of you should know how to possess, control, and manage his own body in consecration, in purity, separated from the things that are profane, profane, and honor, go ahead, not to be used in the passion of lust like the heathen do, who are ignorant of the true God and have no knowledge of his will. But see, people who know, okay, that no man transgress and overreach his brother. Now see, okay, he mentioned one thing, sexual lust, okay? That no man transgress and overreach his brother and defraud him in this matter or defraud his brother in business. Don't do that either. For the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we have already warned you solemnly and told you plainly. Verse 7, for God has not called us to impurity, but to consecration, to dedicate ourselves to the most thorough purity. So consecration 
that is the word that defines me doing everything I can biblically to get close to God. And when you walk and live a holy life and consecrate yourself and you do all you know to get close to God consistently, that's how you draw near to God. And God, you know what, here's, here's what happens. God takes note of it. Another word for consecration is dedication. He, he takes note of it. And if I dedicate my life, now remember this, our job is consecration and holiness. God's job was he made us righteous and he sanctified us, set you apart. But if I dedicate my life to Christ, and if I dedicate my tithes and offerings, if I dedicate myself to work in the ministry of house, God starts to notice and he sets apart that person. So you think, so way back, I said, how did I get here? How did I get behind the pulpit? I didn't try at all. I didn't even want to be. <laughs> but see, I, I, I was so excited, so hungry for God, starved. And I just, to me, all this stuff was fun. To some people, it's not fun, but to me, it's a blast. And it, you see, God, people say, he says, if they want to be in my presence, that much I'll help them. I've made them righteous, and they're walking holy, and they have consecrated themselves to me, so I'll go ahead and I'll set them apart. And when you have this constant working of consecrate to, to God, God sanctifies and sets you apart. Yeah. See, it, it, 2 Chronicles 16, 9 says, The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth to see who, who is strong in him. And that's quite... Toward his word. Right. Okay. So what you have is true spiritual godly fellowship. Why? Because you're constantly doing everything you can to get rid of everything you can that displeases God. And you want to be close to God in fellowship. Just like if you had a girlfriend, if you had a boyfriend, you know, or you, you wanted a friend. So you do everything you can to please them so they'll stick with you, right? How about a husband or wife? See, and God's doing everything he can to get, to get out of you everything he can that you'll willingly give up. So let him purge you. See, deliver you out of it. Let him do it. So really he can enjoy being in his presence. So see, this doesn't happen one time. You don't get born again and think everything's okay. That's a big mistake. It doesn't mean you don't have to do anything to get close to God. See, this is a constant, every moment, man doing everything within man's dedication and consecration and separation to God. Everything you can. You know, and it's not, and it's not that. It's actually easy. See, and go, well, that's a boring life. No, it isn't. And, and God's doing everything within his power to spiritually and legally 
touch you and be with you. See, okay now, okay. If you don't come to church, you don't get what those do who come to church. When you don't come to church, you don't get what they get. If you don't read the Bible and you don't meditate in it, you don't get what those do who do read and meditate. And if you don't pray, you won't fellowship with God in the way those do who do pray. See, now we're not being legalistic. But it, all of this is, that's right, it's in the Word of God. But, but it's not working your way to heaven. You're not working your way to heaven. It's consecration. Consecrating yourself so you can fellowship with God. And then it just seems like stuff goes into place. See, it's not pleasing God by works. The motive is different. No, this is a draw close to God for fellowship. Okay, it's like you and your children, when they grow up and mature and things start to change. And you know what? Well, let's put it this way. You don't treat your, Lacey doesn't, and Mark don't treat uh, McKenna like they did when she was two and three. <laughs> they talk to her on a different level, right? What'd you get? And you, as you grow, you talk to God on a different level. And even with children, it changes about every two to three years, right? So as a Christian, you grow up and, and God, I know this is getting, it's getting stuck. I don't, I don't want you to, as a Christian, hopefully you grow up and God realizes this. So, so in this relationship with God from season to seasons, things should change. Little is expected of a baby Christian. But three years, 10 years, 20 years down the line, more is expected. It's not demanded, but it's expected. Okay. There are some people that have been, I knew a lady and she was a Christian for 25 years. And she did not even know that God lived in her because of a lack of teaching. I can tell you, you're getting the teaching that you need to know. So you can live it, uh, except that when the more teaching you get, the more you get accountable. But you are still accountable even if you didn't get it. See, as years pass, we should relate to God in a more mature relationship than when we were toddlers. And we need to get rid of some of the things that are hurting us, hurting us, even in our body and, and or anything, you know, like that. So, I, okay, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants after you, O oh God. Okay, a lot of times humans love God and they want God, but they don't want to pant after God. See, in the Hebrew pant, it, it, it means that uh, it's a driving force. It's zeal. <laughs> there was a song I can remember. 
Wait for the zeal of God has consumed me. It burns within my soul. A driving force that cannot be stopped. Uh, a, a fire that cannot be controlled. <laughs> See, you run after him. You pursue him like you would a girlfriend or a boyfriend or your children or whatever. Every human. Well, no, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> okay. So I don't, okay. So the psalmist is saying the deepest thing he can say. This psalm was written to God by David. My soul pants for you, God, as a deer pants for water. Now, why does a deer pant for water? It's thirsty. <laughs> and you know, but especially he has to have it for survival, right? And for preservation. But the very core of the deer's being says, if I don't have water, I'm not going to live. I mean, do you ever, ever been really thirsty? See, the most dangerous place for a deer is by the water. Oh, no, I did that because, because Ken used to kill those poor little deer. No, I don't. With a bow and arrow. Okay, but I mean, or bang, you know. They're cute. Anyway, that's okay. There's too many of them. But I, I understand. <laughs> I understand, gentlemen, and some women. <laughs> See, the most dangerous place for them is by the water hole or by the river. It's prey. People who prey on deer know that's where it's going to, that, that's a good place to get one. So, a deer has hardly any defense of its own. What defense would it have? See, but it will make itself vulnerable to its enemies to the death to get the water. Are you making yourself vulnerable to the enemy to the point where it's life and death because you hunger for him? As the human being pants for God. See, it's on the path, it, it can be on a path, panting for the water. And, and it's very inner instincts, it's like, I gotta have a drink, I gotta have a drink. You know, and he, it finds the water, it, it has a, like a built-in honing device to know where water is. See, but something inside says, I'll find it, I'll, I'll find it with determination. To my, maybe even to my detriment. And that's the connotation that consecration is. Separate yourself to God to fellowship with him in the beauty of holiness. And that's why sometimes I appreciate being alone. Alone. <laughs> See, you got, let's say you're going to, I'm going to go find God and fellowship with him. I know he's in you, but see, you got to stir it up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm gonna get in God's word, but not just read it. The other day, uh, you know, you, you can start reading the word and, and tears will start. And see, you're meditating on it, though at the same time, because it means so much to you. It's just, oh, I read my chapter, <laughs> you know, and it doesn't mean a hill of beans to you. See, God's house, God's presence it is more important than 
anything else that happens. See, I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. I'm going to praise. It's not, oh, brother, I got to go to church. I got to study the Bible. I better sing songs. I better pay my tithes. Whoa. And you know what? You could even have been that way to be hungry, so hungry for God that, that you did what I said previously, and then all of a sudden, oh, I got to go to church. Oh, I got to read the Bible. Got to pay my tithes. Got to do it. See, the attitude is missing the whole point. God's not impressed with you keeping a record. See, give that man a gold star because he read the Bible and he read his chapter for the day. <laughs> See, God's, God's, God's not looking for you to pass a performance test. Or live up to certain criteria. And if you do, he's pleased. And if not, you're out. <laughs> See, God's looking for you to hunger after him. See, he doesn't even care where, if you've done something wrong last night and you said, oh, God, please forgive me, something really bad. Let's say you murdered somebody. <laughs> of course, you could pay the consequences for that in jail. <laughs> but, but, he, but you say, God, I'm so sorry. They just made me so mad. <laughs> And, and you know what? But I hunger for you. And he'll find you. <laughs> I know that's extreme. Because he loves you. Because you love him and you pant for him. And you know, you know he could have made us robots with no will. And we're not. We're all unique. We're all different. And he loves us all. And you will love God, serve, tithe, praise, and go to church and read the Bible and pray. And Proverbs says, it's, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the honor of kings to search it out. In other words, he's calling you kings. That's in Proverbs 25 too. It's the glory of God to conceal a thing, but it's the honor of kings to search out a matter. So God wants us to chase after him. And you know what? It can be thrilling for us to chase after God. And when you do, you grab hold of his presence. And even in the church, you can go for a while and not experience like, you know, stuff in the church. But meanwhile, you keep praising, worshiping, loving each other. And that's good. But do you know... Do you know why God doesn't just turn on an inner switch and all of, all of a sudden, see, your brain goes to 90% capacity and you start to understand everything about the kingdom of God <laughs> and you become spiritual overnight? God could do that because you know what? Did, did you know this? That... Um, we have only 10% of the intellect that Adam had. We lost that much. And some of it's restored. See, that's why I'm saying. <laughs> it's going to increase. 
hearts, but God Almighty knows humans, and he loves people. He made you. And he's also extremely, extremely merciful. He's very, 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 very merciful. If you don't think so, read Psalm 103. You brought it up the other day, and I went, every day I say that. Every day. So if, if, if God answered you and manifested things, though, that quickly, he would become nothing but the supply depot. You'd start to take advantage of him. See, have you ever gotten something that was really great? How about a new car or whatever it was? And you really, you know what? It lasts maybe for a week. <laughs> Doesn't last very long. See, and you know what? He, he, but you and I would quit chasing him. See, do you know why God wants, wants you to find the answer for your life? <laughs> um, he wants you to look for it. He wants you to chase him. He's jealous. And he knows if you get other idols and hobbies, and I guess I said that when we were taking tithes and offerings, it can, I'm not kidding you, gods can become crafts, sports, hobbies, um, jobs, your job can become that, friends can become that, family can become that, boyfriends, girlfriends can become that, and where you're to a point where you stop chasing him, and you put more into that, and there's nothing wrong with being a fisherman, a golfer, a hunter, or into crafts, or old automobiles, or sports, or whatever, you know, whatever you do. There's nothing wrong with it. But when it, takes the, when it starts to take the place of God, then there is something. Then it's what they called in the Old Testament idols. See, recreation is good for us, but you can get in trouble with God when he sees you going down the street with your boat on Sunday morning. <laughs> See, and all of a sudden, you're not doing it with him anymore. It'd be like if you saw your husband or wife go down the street with another woman on Sunday morning, you know, after he'd been gone all night. See, you're not just doing it. It's you and, and I'm going to say the sports or the crafts or the whatever it is or whatever instead of you and God. But see, take that time with God and he'll give you more time to do the craft or the sport. He really does. See, God didn't mind when it, uh, when it was God and you and golf because he can fellowship with you. But when it became all golf and you no longer fellowshiped with him while you were playing golf, <laughs> see... See, that's, that's why it's a problem for some. Very thing you enjoyed that God would not deprive you of was the thing that caused you to stop chasing after him. See, he wants to hear you cry out to him. He wants to hear your prayers, your song. He wants, to, he wants you to ask. He wants you to, to see and serve him. He wants you to search the scriptures. And God knows what's best for you. So Christ, the Holy Spirit, faith, prayer, self-purging, those are all things we need to do. 
And he, see, everybody like, okay, when you when you go like to a to a picnic or like to the lakes, you know, like you did, it's all fun, yeah. you know, and you look forward to that. You spend hours, you know, boating and yeah. and skiing well, and all, all those things. But see, here's an analogy of how to understand it. Let's say there's a husband, a wife, a fiance, and there's romance between you. And they come to you, but they haven't showered for a week. <laughs> and they have grease under their nails, and their hair is dirty and oily, and they stinketh. <laughs> and even though you don't hate them, and you haven't stopped loving him, you don't necessarily want to get too close to him. <laughs> well, it's the truth. I mean, and that's with God. We have to purify ourselves or consecrate ourselves. <laughs> and maybe you did do something wrong, just start to repent and start over. Don't get under condemnation. You know what? Once you're a Christian, it actually said there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. See, the Bible teaches us time after time how to behave, how to function. That last verse we put up there, and I mean, it, it told you some things, uh, and how, how to do these things when you're in his presence, so that you don't quench him and resist him and grieve him and turn him away. And, and here's some basics. I want to sanctify these people so they can fellowship with me. So he sent Christ. He sent the Holy Spirit. He sent the Word of God. He sent faith. He said, I'll teach you faith. And I'll teach you how to pray and to purge yourself. Remember, Consecration and holiness, my responsibility. Sanctification and righteousness was God's responsibility. He got you that far. See, we've got to pant after Almighty God. And the Beatitudes said that those who are hungry, you know, those Beatitudes, and anyway, those who are hungry and thirsty after righteousness will be filled with him. And those with a pure heart and clean hands shall see God. So you can grow stronger and stronger and brighter and brighter. Why? Because with a, the kind of heart, you have to have that heart that wants to get close to God. I can't, I can't tell you, you can't force that. Um, it's, but you keep going forward. And you get rid of things that distract you from God. Let me tell you, nobody, my heart wasn't, isn't always like that. There, there can be things that happen and just like, they, they get you, they get you, yeah, it's like, or you may get overtired. And the, the stuff that'll distract you from God or a whole bunch of problems come up and you're responsible to to solve those problems. And see, people say, oh, quit being so religious. No, religion isn't that. Religion is making you do things as works. 
you know, you got to do this, so this is this, and this is that. I tell you what, I was in religion for too long. There's, uh, but there, there is, you know, it's, it's just like, okay, now I know we, we kind of dress up in this church, but okay, in, in other places they say let's be casual. What happened though, how come I see basketball games, the coach has a suit on and a tie. Not always, but he does. He's dressed up. And they won't even let you in, even to President Biden, <laughs> without having attire. How about news reporters? <laughs> how, how about when you die? Yeah. <laughs> and the, the guy in the mortuary, he's all dressed up and very proper. And sometimes they even buy you never had a new dress or a suit in your life, but they buy one when you die and put it in the casket. Now they cremate a lot more. But, but it's just such a, it's so, <laughs> people don't think. How about weddings? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of, but we should honor God. But see, and people will, uh, you keep going forward and you get rid of things that distract you from God. And people will say, you're religious. I don't care what they say. But you're really hungry and thirsty for God. So I, I tell you, most people don't covet being spiritual or, or flowing with God. But there is a coveting for so many other things in this flashy, shiny world. And many other things try to steal our time. You know why church gets boring for Christians? It's because they found everything they want. There might be praise and worship. There might be the word. They might have seen some power going on, you know, a healing line or somebody got healed or people falling over and they felt it and they, they go along with it for a time. But it's because the one thing their soul desires is the presence of the Lord. It's there, but their heart's not there. Let's say the person next to you gets the presence of the Lord. And you can come to church consistently and do the works of a church attender or even be a church worker, and that's all good, but still never come, never, you never, it's never long enough to be touched and fellowship with the person of Almighty God. Then it's just work and it's just a job. And you even have to be careful of that. I mean, I've experienced that. That's why I can tell you this. I experienced that. You can get blue. And I go, and I panic when that happens. I feel like I'm backsliding. <laughs> and I'm not even backsliding. It's, it's just that I don't feel that presence. And I go, I got to get alone. I got to get alone. I got to get alone and just read the word and cry because it's so good <laughs> and so corrective. You got, you got it. You know what I mean? 
that's happened. But then it's so easy to get back if you just make yourself get in the word. Get alone. No wife, no husband, no boyfriend, no girlfriend is worth that. Seriously. I'm not telling you to abandon your wife and husband. I'm not telling you that. But they might want to do something. Uh, I'll tell you what. Nancy Dufresne, when she married Ed, he'd get up in the morning and he went up. He said, hey, let's go look at houses. And she says, no, I'm going to get in the word first. And he said, we always had to wait for her. <laughs> well, look where she's at. <laughs> And maybe you can't immediately in the morning, you know, do it another time. That, that would be the best time. But you know what? God is looking for true worshipers. Uh, now, this one I want you to put up. John 4, John 4, verse 21 through 24. And by the way... Let's see, would you, would you get my, there's a piece of paper in there, not, oh yeah, just give me that, here, I want this one, that one. Okay. Um, I guess it's all right. Okay, he was with the wo woman at the well. And she was a Syrophoenician. And uh, that, was, that meant she was half Jew. That, and they were literally prejudiced against that. Just like there's prejudice. Sometimes when you're half this half. It isn't so much anymore, thank God. But you know what? Well, Jesus, oh, and he was talking to her while the disciples were getting some food. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father. You know what? Maybe put the King James up. Sometimes the old, good old King James is better. Okay. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour comes when you, you shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. Keep going. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour comes and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So important to be from your spirit. For the Father seeks such to worship him. Go ahead. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And in the spirit means from your heart, inwardly, in the realm of the spirit. Um, David, maybe he was going through a hard time and he didn't feel spiritual. And he was, he, in Psalm 103, he said, bless the Lord, O my soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, my spirit. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all your benefits. 
okay? And he started to mention, that's how you can get back with God. I'm telling you, that is one of the Psalms to use right away. And I go, God, all your benefits. I feel like I kind of got out of sync. And I go, God, all your benefits. You forgive all my iniquities. You heal all my diseases. It says that. You, you rescued my life from destruction. You crowned me with loving kindness, loving kindness, and tender mercy. Tender mercy. You satisfied my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like an eagle. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all the people that are oppressed, that, are, that injustice is being done for them. He executes righteousness and justice. There is not much justice left in, in here. See, it's benefit after benefit after benefit. His mercy, as far as the heaven is above the earth, so great is God's mercy toward you. As far as the east is from the west, which is a circle, a ring. It's just a ring. So far as he removed your transgressions from you. you know, that's huge. So see, you start saying that and you say it with it. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I got a house to live in. Thank you. There's air conditioning. Thank you. There's heat. Thank you that there's, there's a bathroom. <laughs> so I don't have to go outside. Thank you that there's running water. You know? My gosh. Thank you. you thank you for all. It's the truth. <laughs> Who wants to go to an outhouse? Especially when it's 10 below zero and you have an upset stomach. <laughs> you know, be, think of those things. See, okay, okay, see, David started to command his soul. He said, now knock it off. <laughs> Bless the Lord, oh my soul, my mind, my will. Make it be your will, God. My emotions, make my emotions get in line with you, God. <laughs> he was commanding his inner man to get back to chasing God. And when David was in distress, he always encouraged himself in the Lord. And how do you do that? A pep talk? No. You tell your soul, you command it, knock it off, wake up, wake up your emotions, wake up your attitude, your thinking, faculties to God. See, you're going to bless the Lord, get your Bible out, get to church, and practice the presence of the Lord. Now, Jesus said God is a spirit. That means inwardly within, with your whole heart. Spiritual means from the innermost being, worshiping God, and I'm almost done, in truth, in reality, in practice, outwardly. Not just singing a song. You don't even think of what you're saying. You need to sing it with that. Living the word. That's why we call, this was, we didn't just say this name for kicks. I said, God, what do we call it? We got a church on our hands. I was going, oh, help, 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 help. <laughs> I was. And, and then he said, because one of the first things he said was, 
to preach the word so that people could get it and apply it to their life. And he says, make the word alive. Living word thus. See, see, singing and praising with your mouth though is not enough if you don't do it from your heart. Oh, now, and I, in Matthew 15, 8 and 9, but don't put that up, put Isaiah 29, 13. Isaiah 29, 13. Okay, when I was in a different, different in a denominational church, and not, not that they knew any better, I'm not putting it down at all. At least I knew God and my parents took me to church. But Isaiah 29, 13. This is what, when I became born again, when I was about 39, or, you know, I'll take that back. Really, my, no, my, I remember watching uh, Billy Graham in Portland, Oregon, because my husband was a doctor, and see, he died, and, uh, and I, I had two kids, and he was working all the time because he was uh, a um, resident in pediatrics. And that means he was already a doctor, but anyway. So, so I watched Billy Graham because we were never allowed to watch him. At all. No, no, no. So when I became born again before that and I would go to that church, uh, this is how I felt. I went, for as much as the people draw near to me with their mouth and with their lips, do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. They were just saying things. Okay, let's say this scripture. Take your bulletin and let's say this scripture. Let's go, let's repeat back. And I thought, their heart is not in it. That's what's different. I started to see that. And then when I started reading the Bible, I went, oh my gosh, this scripture, I've never forgotten it. It describes it. So, okay, the Lord says, for as much as his people draw near to me with their mouth and with their lips, their lips look like they're honoring him, but they have removed their heart far from me. And their fear towards me is taught by the precepts of men, by the doctrines of men. They make up the doctrines. These are the only ones that are secure. The ones out of the Bible. And I'll tell you what, I could see that. And see, God's heart grieves for us. It says they say all that right stuff, but they don't really mean it. Listen to them singing, but it's not from their innermost being. They're just singing. Why don't they just sing from the inside themselves? All through the Bible, you see different things man is seeking from God. And in this scripture, the Father is seeking this kind of a person to worship him from the heart. What kind? The kind that have learned to do it spiritually from their innermost being. And, and, and see... See, they back up what they feel with their lifestyle and activity. And it's not under legalism. They don't believe in tithing. They can't wait to tithe. Honest to God, you get that way. 
I have to give 10%? Ooh, they tithe because they know it's God's, and they want to get, you know what, it's like the mafia. No. <laughs> you, actually, it's an insurance policy. Not, not that God's forcing you to do that. He just wants to see if you trust him. And all I can see is that more money, 10 times more money came in. Don't ask me how it even got there be, when we became Christians instead of working your can off. Zechariah says that it shall be that whosoever will not come up of all of the family of the earth to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. Now, see, that was the Old Testament. In other words, he, they told them they had to come to a certain spot to worship God. And uh, that was just like not coming to church, but they didn't do it. So he said, now, now you can read a verse like this and you see condemnation, mandatory, demanding, do this or die. Are you going to be, go beyond the cover shield of this thing and get really to the heart of the matter? God is not trying to curse me. He's trying to bless me. He's trying to help me. God's not trying to make this hard. He's trying to show me how easy it is. All it is is hard on the flesh. It's easy spiritually. See, I don't say God's on the throne saying, you don't want to worship, you get no rain. <laughs> you get no protection. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's more like God saying, come and worship. Please, can't you see everyone who doesn't walk with me isn't blessed. The devourer, the devil, gets in your life. And this is the real reason for the tithe. It's not, it's not so you can have somewhere to put 10% of your money. It's not so you avoid some curse. See, in, in the original tithing system in the Bible, it had to do with worship. And they gave the first fruits as worship. They did. Anything other than that, put God and, and, and worshiping God secondary in your life. See, God is jealous. He said, bring the first fruits and worship him. And it's not just one dollar. It's not. It's 10%. And if you don't understand that, ask somebody. And bring it to a place where he prays, places his name so everyone knows you're doing it. Uh, you know, he, 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 it's not a public thing. It's between you and him. See, all these things are practicing the presence. And the minute you start to talk about God, he draws nigh. And I'll just end it with this. In Malachi 16, it says, I call this God's baby book. <laughs> because in Malachi 3, verse 16, 
Then those who feared the Lord talked often one to another, and the Lord listened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him to those who reverenced and worshipfully feared the Lord and who thought on his name. Oh, and get the next verse. And they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. In that day when I publicly recognize and openly declare them to be my jewels, my special possession, my peculiar treasure, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son. He, I mean, you could be in trouble and, and he'll spare you from a car accident. He'll protect you. He'll, he'll make sure you have enough money. Well, how come I see? Just check yourself. Is is this a heart thing? Is it with you with a heart thing? It is. So I mean, you can worship and praise, but it has to be from the heart, and it has to be real. Okay. Now I just I just want to tell you this that you saw that one couple that's coming, pretty soon, and they're having, I've I've don't normally do this when but they're having a camp meeting okay it's uh it starts at 7 p.m monday july 24th and it goes all the way through actually friday, uh, thursday monday monday night tuesday wednesday thursday and then starting on tuesday there's a morning meeting and a night meeting but in between that this year, we have something extra special to let you know. Our good friends, Pastor Noel and Ruby Ramos, will be conducting a midday prayer school Tuesday through Thursday. You know, they've been here. Some of you know. Noel. Okay. And Reverend David Ellis, who plays for Kenneth Copeland, will be conducting a school of worship at the same time. And as you know, there is nothing that assists the flow of the word and the move of the spirit in our services. More than people who know how to pray or flow with excellence in the spirit as they lead our congregations in praise and worship. These midday schools are a rare opportunity for your helps ministry and congregation members to be trained by skilled ministers to help you as the pastor flow as the pastor, flow in the things of the Spirit that I know you're reaching for. Attendees will be encouraged to honor their local churches and trained to bring their supply of the Spirit in prayer. Music helps ministers uh, will gain more skill in praise and worship and be trained to flow with the anointing and usher in the glory of God. Amen. And we've seen it. It's happening like in Marietta. It's, it's like, oh my God, I made you go. We left the room, but that's how I felt. Oh, but I've, I've seen, this was like, it was, yeah, I know. Yeah, this was, I know, but, but, it, but it was beyond. With David Ellis, yeah, I will say that. And Pastor Noel is one of the best intercessors that I know about. Amen. Okay, well, okay. Time for us to go. 
Amen. Okay, take the stock, what, what we said, and, and tr try that lifestyle. Get a little better. You know what? And it's just like in a family. We need people so bad. There's, some people are doing eight things <laughs> when there should be others helping with them. All kinds of things. Uh, and someday we'll maybe have a Ministry of Helps meeting and uh, everybody can be invited. But it's just like in a family, we each take our part in, in helping. And I know some people work and it's like, you know, but just some little thing. There's people that take home dishcloths and wash them and towels, you know, for the kitchen. I mean, that's some, there's things you can do at home even. But it helps. But see, a lot of times in just, just coming to things, people put their what they're doing ahead of that. And um, just, just put God first. So, Father God, I just thank you. I praise you, Lord God, that we bind Satan and we say that he cannot steal the fruit of the word of God that was given. And I thank you, Father, that you're opening up the eyes of their understanding. You're flooding their hearts with light that they might know the hope to which they have been called. And I repeat this in Acts 20, 32, and now brethren, brothers and sisters in the Lord, I bless and commit you to God. And I deposit in you his charge, entrusting to you his care and protection. And we commend you to the word of his grace, to the commands and the counsels and the promises of his unmerited favor. And the word of God is able to build you up and give you your righteous inheritance among God's set-apart ones, those consecrated, purified, and transformed in their mind, will, and emotions, in their souls, and in their spirits. Um, all I can tell you is, the blessing of the Lord starts to take care of you when you put God first. While those tragic things happen, but you know, God, God'll, God'll show you. And maybe, you know, that's for a time. But God will heal you. He'll give you finances. He'll do all kinds of things. He will. He'll set you free. He'll deliver you. We all goof sometimes, and that's where his mercy is still alive. He, you come to him and say, Father God, I, am, I repent. I'm sorry for this. And you've got, and once you get born again, you've got the Holy Ghost inside of you. And do you know what? He's your advocate. He's your lawyer. He's your counselor. He's your comforter. And there's times when I felt bad and I might have done something that wasn't right. But I say, you're my comforter. I'm sorry, come. Comfort me like a soft blanket. <laughs> like a puppy crawling in your neck. 
and being soft or your kitty that's scratching you. No. <laughs> I'm just, but it's the truth. He, this is real. And, I, and then counsel me. Give me some wisdom. What can I do to change this? And he's your helper. You go, help. <laughs> and I've done that. I've gone, help me. Help me, God. What is this? What am I doing wrong? He, he's, your, he's your helper. He's your um, intercessor. He'll pray for you. He's always pray, even when you goofed up. And then he stands by you. You might even be sitting and he'll go, stand by you. He, well, he's in you. And he's your strengthener. He'll strengthen you to overcome it. But just give your whole heart to him. Give it a try. Say, I want to go a step further. And that's like the pastor who tells you the truth. You might not going to like it. But that's the way to get victory. I don't even like it myself sometimes. <laughs> but God instructed us in the word. And do you know three-fourths of what he said is correction? And 25% and is, is to uh, lift you up. So, I mean, you can go to a church, and, and if, if that's all they do, yes, love, God loves you, but that is not enough. He doesn't love sin. You're opening the door. We're trying to tell you how to live a victorious life of heaven on earth. Amen. And so you are dismissed and come to the party.